folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. Subscribe now so you never miss an episode. Thank you. Hello and welcome to a very early morning recording of The Fast and the Curious, just minutes after the Las Vegas Grand Prix has finished. This is Greg James, one of the hosts of this podcast, alongside Betty Glover, Christian Hugill, and some of your favourite Formula One drivers. That's what we do on The Fast and the Curious. It's a podcast for the diehard fans and for anyone who has a passing interest and wants to learn more. We have a revolving door of driver co-hosts on this podcast from Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, Alex Albon, uh, Logan Sargent. We've had Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell. I mean, basically... All the bloody lads. Plus, we go behind the scenes and find some incredible people you don't normally hear from. And we also like to get special guests like the one we've got today. You'll know him from Drive to Survive and F1 TV. He is a Formula One icon. Will Buxton, welcome to The Fast and the Curious. I'm so delighted to be on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, welcome to my awful hotel room in las vegas um (laughs) the best part about it is it was a four minute walk to the track what a wild weekend absolutely crazy it had everything from the staggering disappointment at the start all the way to one of the best races if not the best race of the season it was it was just magic well it's a great great time to get you on if if you uh, firmly believe that it's potentially the the best race of the season and can i just say that hotel you've gone for uh ease of use over luxury then so this is convenience more than luxury yes not my choice um but <laughs> uh give them a right next door to caesar's palace so for the extra minute walk, I, I would have rather been there. I think. I've seen your social media this weekend. You haven't done a great deal of sleeping anyway. No. It's been pretty full on. When did you when did you arrive in, in Vegas? Uh, I got in on Tuesday. Uh, I'd been in L.A. on Monday. So I was trying to get onto normal sort of L.A. slash Vegas time uh, and then had to flip it all uh, completely 180 degrees because I was waking up at 4 a.m. and I needed to be going to sleep at 4 a.m. <laughs> so it's been it's been a week, but whoa, what an ex- what an experience! It's been it's been absolutely crazy. Well, before we get onto the race, and there's almost too much to talk about. There's there was almost too much to talk about in the first four laps of that race. But uh, before we get there, I want to talk about the build up to this race because there was so much talk, and I talk, well, we all talk all the time on this podcast <laughs> about how important it is sometimes for the sport to burst through its usual bubble and to get talking points and to grab headlines. And I would never have put money on a manhole being the thing that grabs the <laughs> headlines, but you sometimes you just need something stupid to capture people's imaginations and create a talking point. And it turned out that this talking point was a drain. Yes. Yeah. A, a, a drain uh, mentally uh, as well as actually physically. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, it, it's, as you say, when, when you have a new event or something that you hope is going to break through, it, it, it gets hyped. And there was so much talk coming into this race of has, has the Vegas race been overhyped? Can it ever possibly deliver on all of the expectation, all the promises, particularly when Formula One's trying to break an American audience and you put all of your eggs in this big glittery basket? And then within 10 minutes, the, 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 the track is unusable. And we've seen that happen in Monaco that's been holding street races for 100 years. Uh, we saw it in Baku a few years ago. I remember a drain cover coming up in in china one year i remember it coming up in sepang one year uh, and took out one of the Haas cars and gunther steiner sent the the repair bill to the circuit promoter <laughs> so it 
it it happens. And and I, I said, you know, when it happened, I said this this happens. And I got a lot of messages on social media from people saying, well, that's no that's no excuse. If anything, that's a reason why it shouldn't have happened. You can't check for these things until the cars run in anger on the streets. And the the only reason that it got fixed so quickly is because it does happen and it has happened. And there is in the armory of the FIA a, a solution to it. And they, they quickly put in place this solution, which essentially meant boring out around 30, I think, uh, manhole and drain covers around the streets of Las Vegas and essentially plugging them with a with a really quick drying resin and asphalt and then grinding it back down again. Um, and then we got the second practice session, which ran for an hour and a half and was fine. And then we did free practice three and qualifying and had the race and, and no other issues. But of course, at that point, you, you're on an uphill struggle. Uh, and these first events are like a first date. There's trepidation. You, you're nervous. You want it to go well. You want you, know, you make the big effort and you, you wear your best shirt and you want to make a really great impression. And then you get the girl's name wrong uh, within the first five minutes. And at that point, you're, you're constantly trying to scramble back something from it. And uh, from the race we just saw, I think we might be off to meet the parents. It was... Uh, it was, it was it was brilliant it was a it was an easy stick to beat the las vegas grand prix with wasn't it because it's it's almost perfect it's it's the perfect bit of comedy writing that they've spent so much money on this thing it's the most extreme end of glamour as far as formula one goes and then for it to be a manhole that uproots the whole thing is is actually sort of perfect there were so many people who actively wanted this thing to fail it's too much it's all about the show it's all about excess Formula One is all about excess. It has been for 70 years. Mm. You know, it's, it's like the perfect partnership, Vegas and Formula One. Mm. Um, but it gave everybody that that, that had been sort of talking the race down before anything had even taken place. It gave them the perfect fuel. You you know, I'm always a glass half full kind of person. And, and you want something like this to succeed. I particularly want it to succeed because I spent a long time broadcasting to the US. And I know that there is a, a burgeoning fan base out here. Mm. And a, and a loyal fan base and an ever-growing fan base that 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 wants it to work. And um, I just I just wanted it to be to be a success. And um, yeah, it was it was the harshest sort of dose of of reality. But but there you go. Well, look, I I love sport being fun, and I, I love I love the pomp and the 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 nonsense of it. And that's that's sometimes what you need, as long as the actual sport at its core is good then it's uh it's a win-win as far as i'm concerned you mentioned some of the criticism criticism from the actual eventual race winner max verstappen yeah. being so grumpy this week unbelievable i mean he can be really grumpy as we know but unbelievably grumpy this week about it all so grumpy 99 percent show one percent sport i think we can say it's a hundred percent show a hundred percent sport now a hundred percent entertainment in the entertainment capital of the world and even max was forced to, forced to admit you know after the race I can't wait. I think he said, I'm, I'm so excited to come back to Vegas next year because we got this incredible race. You know, it wasn't <laughs> just handed to him on a plate. He had to yeah. fight for it. We got multiple changes of lead. We got amazing overtakes, the length and breadth of the field. Could it be recency bias because the race literally ended 90 minutes ago and I'm a little bit loopy with a lack of sleep? <laughs> Possibly. But I, I made the mistake of going onto social media and people go, oh, that was dull. If that's dull, give me a dull race every single week because I am—I will sign up to that level of boredom because it was brilliant. As soon as I saw the opening aerial shot and Crofty did his, you know, introduction and then went through the grid, I just thought this is 
What a I mean, Vegas is a mad place, and it's it's not a place that I'm necessarily going to rush back to. But I've I've been once, and it's it's a bizarre place. But it looked incredible yeah. as a spectacle, and then to have those first four laps where you had a virtual safety car, then a safety car, all of that argy bargy. It it was it was brilliant to watch. Yeah, and you had for the first time Red Bull really not being I mean, okay. Singapore was a weird Grand Prix. Uh, because they got everything wrong and, and it was Ferrari's race to lose. But this was genuinely Ferrari versus Red Bull and a legitimate fight. You know, Checo mm. was brilliant. Max was brilliant. Charles was brilliant. They all led the race at one point. They all had to pull off brilliant overtaking moves to take that lead of the race. You know, we haven't seen a race like that, I don't think, all year. And that strip is, that's a billion dollar industry, that piece of road. And to... <laughs> To shut that down and to to put a Grand Prix track on it, it's you know it's doing it down the Champs Elysees. It's doing it, doing yeah. it on Oxford Street. It's 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 that's the the gravity of it. That's the the enormity of it. It you know where else could you where else could you do that? I've got to say, Will, two great ideas there: Champs Elysees, yeah. Oxford Street. Oh my good God! There, were there thoughts at one point about doing a London Street race? Yeah, there was a bank that sponsored one of the teams, and they put a video together of what a London Grand Prix could look like. Um, wow. Always too complicated to, to actually make it make it happen. But uh, to do it here, it's it's something else. I'm worried about the road workers tomorrow who have to unseal those manholes. Well, they will. They'll have to unplug them because if it rains, it'll flood because they've, they've basically <laughs> just plugged them all. Um, but they, they do that in Baku. They do, and they'll know what to do now for next year. And, and that will just be a part yeah. of the course. They'll just they'll plug all, all the manholes. <laughs> next year they go... Guys, have you checked the manholes? Yeah, exactly. Oh that. Exactly. And, and you know, look, the disruption next year won't be as much as it was this year. It did it take them ages to put the circuit together. Yes, they had to lay mm. the asphalt. They had to build the grandstands for the first time. But if it took six months to put the grandstands up, you'd never have the Monaco Grand Prix because <laughs> the Monaco residents would never stand for it. So yeah, I, well, I mean, most of the most of the residents work in F one or drive cars. That's, so that's 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 fair. First years are always tricky. The first year in Miami was not a success. It can only get better from an organizational perspective. It can only get better. I don't know how you improve on the racing spectacle because it was it was absolutely phenomenal. And as the cars get closer together, and and hopefully the mm. the grid you know stacks up more and more as the years go on. We'll have even better races year on year. I sound like I'm doing a PR spiel, don't no, I? No, 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 no. It's I'm... actually it's really interesting. I, I think a lot of people are relieved that it went well. Yeah. I think that's that's part of it. I think we're we're here, we're here going. Oh, I'm actually pleased that it wasn't a it wasn't a disaster and it wasn't just a load of pomp. And I, I'm I'm pleased, but I'm also sort of eternally frustrated with Max because he's such a troll at moments like this where yeah. suddenly he goes, oh no, I loved it actually. I can't wait for next year. He's just, he's just a cat playing with us. We're the ball of wool and he just, he just says what he wants because he, he does wield so much power. Yeah. It is quite extraordinary for a, a sports personality to wield that much power and to be able just to say those sorts of things. That doesn't really happen in any other sport where he can just go, I think it's low basically but benefit from it in such a way sort of financially as well to go nah it's a load of old mate but yeah we'll see what happens but it's he he's kind of unique in that isn't he and without the bosses of the championship kind of pulling him to one side and saying yeah we actually really need this to work can you please just tone it down 
a little bit. I was speaking to some folks in the paddock from IndyCar this weekend, some of the drivers, and they were like, we would not get away with that. Nobody would. Rain I, I mean, imagine you started having a go at Drive to Survive or I started bringing down Radio 1. I mean, it's just, you just, you can't do it. Not to say that I'm the Max Verstappen of Radio 1, of course. But... <laughs> champion, multiple champion. <laughs> but no, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? No, no other person would be able to get away with that, really. You know, I'm with Toto Wolf on this. Toto came out and was, was really hard on the defensive for the track from, from the outset, because if we'd had a dull race okay i think i think the headlines would be very different tomorrow but ultimately that's what that's what it all comes down to it has to be about great racing well this is the thing you're still going to get your racing and you stand as you as you've been saying we still got a really great race and i wanted to dig into the the red yeah. bull ferrari battle a little bit here you've obviously watched these teams for many many years you've seen the max verstappen supremacy is there a chink in the armory if we can hold every race here yeah um, if we can hold everything, I was getting overexcited at, at night time with a fairly slippery track and really cool temperatures, then, then maybe, you know, it was, it was, it was a really specific set of circumstances, just like in Singapore. But I think what's fascinating is when you look at the season as a whole, it's ebbed and it's flowed all the way through the year without Max putting in the kind of performances he has this year. I think 23 would have been one of the best Formula One seasons of all time because we would have had probably 10 different race winners never knowing when we got to a circuit which one was going to suit who and what the competitive order was going to be it's just that max and this rb19 car have proven to be utterly unbeatable seemingly as sports fans you know we can never enjoy anything in the moment no true and, and we never say this is great isn't it we look back and say that was great wasn't it but never in the moment you never appreciate it for what it is at the time there's a there's a, a great quote from uh, andy bernard from uh, the american office where he says, um, he talks about the good old days. And he says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And yeah, maybe, exactly maybe that's that. where we are now, in the good old days. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. That's what it's all about. You mentioned Checo. I want to talk a bit about him and where he goes from here. So a podium in Las Vegas. He's now second in the championship, which will be seen as a relative success, you know, for where he started and how his season's been. But as you said, he's a long way behind Verstappen in terms of skill. He's in that same car. Does he, is he safe in Red Bull next season? No way. No way. And for as long as Daniel's sitting in that Alpha Tauri, he's not going to be safe because the only reason Daniel's there is to put pressure on him. And I think Red Bull have probably come to the realisation that the only driver who can replace Daniel is Daniel. If Daniel gets back to... Daniel's form of old, then they'll they'll stick him in the car next to Max because they were the best driver lineup that they've had in terms of a, a a two driver team, I think ever. And Daniel played really nicely with Max, and Max looked up to and respected Daniel. I don't think it'd be quite the same now um, because Max has elevated himself to a level that's beyond almost any driver in Formula One. If Checo can't maintain a consistent performance. And that consistent performance has to be con consistent P2s because that is the best car in the field. The minimum expectation of that car is P2. Wow. And if you're not getting P2, then what are you doing? You know, why are you there? And, I, and they will ask themselves those questions. You're so tough, Will. You're so tough on these boys. But it's true. I, I felt like I was inside an episode of... Uh... Of Drive to Survive, then I felt like I was. In, I, I, felt like, I felt like an immersive episode. That was a real out of body experience for me. Then I felt like I felt like the TV had come alive, and I was like, "Yeah, well, well yeah, I believe. Yes, well, I'll do it. I'll do anything you say." 
that's a that's a precarious position for him, but quite exciting for the sport and exciting for for Daniel Ricciardo as well. So, what do you think? Like a mid-season change could happen next year? It's Red Bull could happen after three races might not happen at all but their way of getting the most out of their drivers is not to put an arm around them and say they're there how can we help you it's to say hey so here's the guy that's going to take your job so sort yourself out or you're out so cutthroat i I would um i I would just start crying (laughs) <laughs> if someone if someone was that mean to me amazing stuff those red bull drivers and just to play fantasy grid for a second mm. so where does where does checo then go because we talked a few podcasts ago about the importance of checo with certain territories yeah. and obviously the mexico grand prix he's like he's he's the guy yeah. like he's on bottles of water and he's he's like, he's the face of mobile phone companies and like he's the face of billions and billions of dollars for the industry so what happens to him when when it was looking sketchy for him and it's looking much better now he's secured p2 first time in history that red bull have got one two in the drivers championship so that's 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 huge but when it was looking sketchy i thought the best thing he could do would say right i'm leaving and i'm going to go and race at Williams because they acted like a like a rehab for Alex Albon after his you know horrible journey at, at Red Bull but he's now in a situation where if he does get dropped middle of next year there is no parachute so I thought that the best thing he could do would be to hold his head high say thanks very much it's been a wonderful journey um, but I'm going to let you do the thing you want to do which is put Daniel in the seat and I'm going to go and do something else on Williams and an Albon I want to just talk to you a little bit about some of our podcast favorites because um, mm, as you yeah. may or may not know we like to have driver co-hosts on this as, as as often as we can so we've had a lot of Oscar we've had a lot of Lando we've had the odd Lewis the odd George uh, we've had a Verstappen we've had a lot of Alex Albon and uh, we've had a lot of Logan Sargent as well. And there's some really interesting stories further down the grid. And that's one of the things that I've loved about this first season, because I've always been a, a surface level Formula One fan, if you will. Yeah. But this year, it's been so nice to follow some of these rookies following Oscar for this first year, following Logan and that real up and down. But um, what have you made of... I, I, well, you mentioned Alex Albon, so he's a, a, ph- a phenomenal talent. He is incredible. Is he Is he the one that, that everyone thinks is the next cab off the rank? Helmut Marko said earlier in the season that Red Bull had probably been a bit too quick in letting him go. Mm. They see now the potential that existed within him and they probably didn't treat him the right way to, to maximise that and draw that out of him. And we're going to have a scenario in a year's time where the vast majority of seats are going to be up for grabs. And I think he's going to be a major player in the market. Didn't quite get into the points today at at Las Vegas. No, it was a nightmare for them. Yeah, a nightmare for Williams, really, because they had such a good qualifying, didn't they? Yeah, and and what the the problem with that was that they were in a great place and then the safety car happened and loads of drivers pitted and kind of got a free pit stop and managed to jump them. But luckily for them and, and Williams, none of the teams fighting over that P7, so Alfa Romeo, Haas... Um, Alpha Tauri, nobody scored a point today at all. Mm. So they were kind of fortunate with that. Let's touch on Logan Sargent now, because nice for him to uh, be quite far up the grid yeah. um, in his in his home country. He's had a really tough season. We really feel for him. We've got to know him fairly well, and I, I know you have as well. But I, I I was so pleased for him that he managed to put in a solid performance in qualifying. Yeah, I've 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 not given him an easy time the last few races because. If you don't see an improvement or you see those same mistakes week in, week out, you have to ask the question, well, is is, is he good enough? There's, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in it at all. You know, to be one of the 20 best drivers in the world is something that not every driver has has in them. But I think he was driving so much in his own head 
and was thinking so much about not making a mistake that he wasn't he wasn't natural he wasn't free he wasn't driving on instinct and so when you're driving in the conscious part of your brain everything's slower and that's why the car always looked a half step ahead of him and i think this weekend case in point i think he sort of looked at it and thought i've got two races left so screw it like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna drive he was brilliant you know all the way through the sessions car came to him the conditions played out well the williams loved it he drove beautifully and he was on par with with alex alban the whole way through the weekend um and that will do him so much confidence now to go into Abu Dhabi and hopefully just do the same thing again so he can he can finish this season on a massive high. We expect Williams to re-sign him for next year. And when they do, they can look at these last two races and say, that's you know, that's why, that's the guy that we knew was inside him all along. Mm. I, I really hope we get to see his full potential because I don't I don't think we've seen it. Because he got he just sort of it was like a, a bottle, uh like a like a cork in a bottle. Something was just stopping it from from coming out. And I think he was just too much in the front of his mind. As Christian said quite a lot on this podcast, he's quick and people like how quick he is or can be. So uh, let's see if he can refine that for for next season. Yeah. Onto the McLaren boys. Very, very tough race for uh, for Lando. Well, where were you when uh, when his little spin-off, when I say little spin-off, his enormous spin-off happened? Uh, I was in a freight container. Uh, doubling up as an office, um, which uh, with no windows. Uh, uh, yeah, hor- horrible. Um, you know, and that's again the nature of these of these street circuits, and a particular street circuit here. You know, you're hitting 220 miles an hour, and on a slippery surface, and you get a snap. You're in you're in the wall. It's it's like being on an oval. You know, in IndyCar. He went to the hospital. Uh, he's been checked out. He was in the, just returning to the paddock because I was just leaving to come and come and talk to you guys. So hopefully he'll be all right for for Abu Dhabi. But that was that was a nasty incident. But it just shows the you know the speed of this place. And if it can catch someone like Lando out, can catch can catch anyone out. Uh, I thought Oscar had a great race when he got his puncture. It came at just the wrong time. He got the fastest lap of the race, which no one expected from McLaren this weekend because mm. it hates slow corners and it hates the cold. And Alpine's another case in point. Horrible qualifying, brilliant race. And the same with McLaren. It just it yeah. completely flipped when they got full tanks uh, and went out there to race. It just it just started to come to them. Brilliant race for Ocon in particular. Um, some 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 really good racing as you as as you've been saying with this race. Um, and we love Oscar Piastri on this podcast. I just think he is he's got what it takes to be a, a, a potential superstar. Yeah. The track itself. You mentioned sliding around. It looked like glass ice at one point. The, I mean Fernando doesn't just spin for no reason he was taking it very carefully around that corner and suddenly the back just it just did a basically a, it did a 180 yeah and that, i mean it's, you know it's newly laid asphalt they hadn't they hadn't blasted it with water to get all of the bitumen out of it so the the, the sort of the greasy oily bitumen had sort of risen to the surface and gave it that sheen right so when we come back in a year's time it'll have had a, a year's worth of vegas traffic on it and it'll be much better um <laughs> you know it won't be the same scenario next year um, it was just the very specific kind of timings of everything being laid and, yeah. and being finished. I know it's a, a very basic thing for me to say, and I, it might be an unpopular uh, thing to say with the purists, but I do love a street race because I love the ordinary becoming extraordinary. You've got a, a track where you've got the actual sort of right and left filter lanes, yeah. and then you've, you can see traffic lights and you can see a bollard, and meanwhile you've got these rocket ships going through. I, I do find that juxtaposition so funny. It's mad, isn't it? You know, there's, there was one, there's one part on the track that that's literally 20 yards from where Tupac got shot. I mean, it's wild, 
wild. Yeah, and then you're, and then you're hurtling down the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm totally with you, and and that brings in a unique set of of challenges as well. Like when it rains in Monaco, and they have to be really careful every time they go over a pedestrian crossing because it's just white painted lines and they become ice. Um, it's 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 brilliant, but it's such a unique challenge. And the drivers, you know, it takes a very specific driving style and a specific element of insanity to drive a street circuit fast because you know monaco is like playing tennis in the toilet there's there's no room it's it's <laughs> you make the slightest smallest mistake and it's it's game over there are no second chances and we talk you know we talk all the time about track limits there are no track limits at at a street circuit you go over the limit it's game over mm. and i i love that so you were sat in a freight container Yes. I, I, I'm going to bring in someone who actually saw the race, Will, if that's okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, we had someone who was, was down there. If we've got Jamie, should be joining us now. Jamie's a, a Fast and the Curious listener. Uh, Jamie has had a very, very exciting weekend. Will probably be a little bit drunk, I imagine, if he's got any sense. But he's just trying to find signal in the hotel, and hopefully he can. Jamie, Yay! hello! Yay! Hello. Well, welcome to the Fast and the Curious, Jamie. You're on with me, and you're on, most importantly, with Will Buxton. Great. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, New York, New York. It's the only place I can get a bit of signal. <laughs> right, okay. Well, thank, thanks for being in the casino. Can you tell me and Will what your weekend has consisted of, please? Getting my maid, <laughs> um, going to the Grand Prix, going to the opening ceremony, going in a helicopter, um, <laughs> The big wheel. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a busy one. <laughs> it never, ever in, in the world has there been a list that has included getting married and a big wheel. I, did he say getting married? I thought you said getting hammered. No, no getting married. He got actually married. He threw that away. You got married. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so come on, tell us more about it. Let's not talk about the big wheel or the race. Let's talk about you actually getting married. This is amazing, Jamie. Who did you get married to? How long you been together? Where did you do it? Oh, my girlfriend, my wife, Haley. Um, yeah. We've been together for well, the second time round, about nine years now. Oh, wow. Because I used to <laughs> see her when I was younger. Right. <laughs> Before I even proposed, I booked us to come to Vegas to get married on our own. Uh, we're hoping she'd say yes. And she did. And the announcer Grand Prix was going to be here. So we're big F1 fans. So we said, right, that's it. We're going to. Two birds, one stone. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Did you have Elvis at the wedding? No, we never. We actually got married in the middle of Fremont, in the middle of the street. <gasps> cool. With people walking past. There was actually a guy with a wolf mask on playing the drums in the background. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vegas, baby. That's so amazing. you then you then go you went and watched the race uh, as a married couple today, yeah? Yeah, we got married on. Friday and we went to qualifying. That was our first outing as a married couple. And uh, yeah, and then we went to the race today. And what did you make of the race? Quite a good one, though. It was amazing. It was um, it was really good. What a spectacle we put on. It was great. I was very skeptical on Thursday. We, me and my wife Haley, were referring to it as Firefest. We thought it was just going to go down the pan. After that, it's just it's been absolutely amazing. What they've done to the strips just unbelievable. To have cars driving down there, they just all, whoever's organised it's a massive part on the back for making it happen. 
Yeah, we were talking about that and how bizarre it is to to see Formula One cars gunning down that strip. It's it's so famous and it's it's so exciting. Where were you uh, located on the on the circuit when you were watching? We were on the main grandstand, but um, our seats we couldn't see the screen where the seats were because obviously if you've been to Grand Prix, you do kind of look at the screen to follow it a bit, don't you? Mm. We dotted about on the main grandstand throughout the weekend, and today we ended up right opposite where they had the podium and the presentation at the end. So it was absolutely amazing. We got to see it all, and then Martin Garrix at the end. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. Wow. This sounds like the best wedding ever, Jamie. It is, it is, yes. Cool. Uh, I urge lots of people to just pin your friends off and just do it. Just sneak off, get married, put it on Instagram, <laughs> let them find out. So so none of your friends knew you were going to do this? One of my friends knew and my brother because he was looking up for the kids. Amazing. That's so good. And um, I don't know if Will's aware of this weird little uh, thing that we've started. Well, not started, but um, piggybacked on. The, the tradition of kissing the track, which a lot of people like to do. Jamie, can I ask, did you kiss the track? Yes, I did. It was uh, the first thing we did. What, was that the man in the wolf mask saying, you may now kiss the track when you got married? Or uh, It was a bit of a longer kiss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the man there was like, oh, please let me go. He's like, oh, you can't go past us. Like, I just want to go and kiss it. He was like, and he looked at me like I was strange. And uh, then he let us through, so uh, yeah, I went and kissed the kid. You are strange. I got yeah. up there one out of track limits on the curve. You might <laughs> <be> <laughs> <laughs> You're off track limits, sure. Jamie, you are wonderfully strange, and that's why we love you. Thanks for messaging um, the Fast and the Curious. Thanks for having me on. I love the podcast. Well, we love you, Jamie. You're you're great, and uh, have a great rest of the trip in uh, in Vegas, and send our love to Haley as well. Well, thank you very much. Cheers, have a good one. Cheers, bye, bye. 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 <laughs> That's mad. That's mad. No wonder the track surface was so slippery. It was him slobbering over it. What an amazing guy. That's so cool. If that doesn't sum up the madness of Vegas, then I don't know what does. Honestly, someone said at the start of the week, Vegas is anything and everything that you want it to be. It's been the craziest week. Well, Will, I want to let you get some sleep now. You must be absolutely knackered. Thank you so much. I don't know what the time is. I don't really know what my name is. Um, just been bouncing all week. It's It's been crazy. I got to see a show, though. I, got, I did get to go and see a show, so that's been good. What did you see? I went to see The Beatles, Love. Uh, oh, like, nice. Which I've wanted to see since 06. And I'm like, I'm not going yeah. to Vegas for the first time and not going to see it. So I managed to catch a matinee yesterday and it was incredible. You you seem to have a good um, balance of of things when you go and do, uh, when you cover races, because I've I've spotted on your Instagram that you'd you'd like to set aside a bit of time to go and do a a thing. I went to go and see Ben Folds a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that was great. That looks like an incredible show. That all comes, that stems from the fact that for years they've had concerts at F1 races. And one year we were in Abu Dhabi and Prince was playing. I wasn't that into Prince at the time. And I thought, you know, there'll be other opportunities. I can go and see Prince anytime. <laughs> and the people that went and had an F1 pass got invited by Prince to go to a, one of Prince's after parties. And they ended oh. up on stage rocking out with Prince. And he's just taking, oh. you know, to like shout out a, stro- a song. So like play Strawberry Fields. And so Prince just whacks out Strawberry Fields forever. You know, just like literally anything play the theme tune to the Muppets, Prince would play it. And um, Play the F1 theme tune. Didn't exist back then. Um, and um, <laughs> could you imagine Prince wailing the, the, the theme tune on the guitar? And then he died. 
And I never got to see him. And I, I subsequently got really into Prince. And so I made myself a promise that if I saw somebody playing in the, in the cities that we were in, I would, yeah. I would always go. What's booked in for Abu Dhabi then? Uh, on? My will, wife, I, will I am probably. My wife, my wife and daughter are coming to Abu Dhabi. Um, oh, fantastic. So, so we're going to have a little end of season break. Well, thank you so much. You're uh, so welcome. What a, just a, a quick word on Abu Dhabi then. Who's going to win? Is it going to be Max Verstappen? Max, yeah, it'll be Max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. For those who don't know, where can we find you apart from on Drive to Survive? Uh, Drive to Survive, um, if you are in a part of the world where you can get F1 TV, then you can find me on, on F1 TV, chatting nonsense about the greatest sport in the world. <laughs> it's been so fun getting you on. I know that Christian and, and Betty will be cross that they've missed you but um we'd, we'd love to get you back on at some point soon and have a proper chat i would love to and um and thank you uh for, for having me on well have a great sleep and we'll catch up very soon thank you so much you're so welcome man thanks so much Well, what a fantastic man. I love that chat and I hope you did too. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure you follow on your podcast provider or subscribe or whatever the button is. Just basically come back for more. We love you. Okay. And you're going to have a nice time here. We'll be back before the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix with a Abu Dhabi do preview. And uh, oh, also, we're going to reveal the details on tickets for our end of season party at Mercedes-Benz World on the 8th of December. We'll tell you how you can be there. We've got a, a, a select number of tickets, um, but we'll, we'll tell you all about that on the next episode. So thanks for listening. We'll catch up soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.